that's not a beer. It is a soda. And a lot of voice actors and people that do any sort of recording or things would tell you it's not good for your throat. And that's true. I'm not going to deny that. I'm starting this podcast off. First, let's just start with an introduction like normal. Hi, I'm Mario the Artisan Rogue, and this is Radio 74. This is a podcast about the things that happened in my life, what I've gone through, and experiences in the creative spaces and the life that is attached to that. So, with that out of the way, we are sitting at 11.29 p.m. right now, the day before the last day of 2022. It seems like only yesterday that I was recording the last episode for last year. This episode, I just wanted to sit down and chat and talk for a while, just like I have in any of the others. What am I saying? I haven't changed the format yet, but I, I will, and I actually have some good plans lined up for that. But So this one is an interesting circumstance for me in that the last few months, I've had to kind of relive vicariously through what I've let me let me explain it this way I blog about every single show that I do I take the time to record videos if you follow me on TikTok shameless plug I will often put out there what I've encountered what I go through that sort of thing and when I do that I'm recording videos and I'm talking about the setup the teardown what's going on in between for a few weeks in a row it was really nuts. I was going from show to show, weekend to weekend. There was maybe four days, five days in between where I kind of had to catch up on either freelance or other projects. Things fell the hell by the wayside, left and right. And with some shows being really bad and some being okay to pretty good, riding that roller coaster was one of the most stressful things I've ever had to deal with in quite some time. Because this was me going out and doing these things, trying to grow my business, trying to establish some sort of connection with people, trying to just get people interested in what I was doing beyond fan art, beyond anything else, specifically the world of art or and things like that. And it was a challenge. It seems like my strong point is when I go out and I talk to people and occasionally I have people that will come up and talk to me about my blog posts, these podcasts. And other stuff that I'll do online. Unfortunately, because there is, and we've talked about this before on many episodes, there is so, so much media out there. At the exact same time I'm making this podcast, I promise you there's a thousand other people within a 200 mile radius of here that are authoring, editing, and uploading podcasts left and right. So for me, I wanted to really sort of focus on what that meant overall for me through this year. I've often touched on how being a creative can be one of the most challenging things, not just because you have to play multiple parts. I love an analogy like this, where it's like you're doing a one man show. And I compare this to, one of my favorite one-man shows, I have it on CD, it's Patrick Stewart performing A Christmas Carol. Now, understand there's people running the lights, you know, taking care of the rest of the show, the tickets, everything else like that. So the, the performance is the one-man aspect of it. And when you're an artist, when you're a creative of any kind, there are questions you have to ask yourself, like, how much do you want to do? What are you capable of taking on? And how far can you push yourself, right? And I think that 
most people don't really have a grasp as to how much effort goes into trying to be your own boss, especially if you have, like I do, limited funds, limited capacity to do certain things. Currently, I do because of either, you know, mental health issues ranging from depression to insecurity to self-doubt, you name it. There's like a whole list of it. And we're not going to talk about that right now, but we are going to talk about we're all. But I keep saying we like I'm live. Um, maybe that's just me getting psyched up for wanting to do Twitch here in January or February. I really the biggest problem that I'll have is that. As much as I want to do things, so I'm, I'm going to position this question for you, all of you listening. Have you ever wanted to do something so bad, but at the very, you know, you're just like, man, this is the thing. I, I want to just give this a shot or give this a try. But because of either, you know, you're feeling a little bit self-conscious or or whatever the case is, there's just some reason or maybe multiple ones that just they, they pull over you and and you're unable to get out from underneath that that smothering blanket. And I have felt that for a while. It has been quite the trial for me to become comfortable in doing things. And it's weird, right? I meet people all the time that if they follow any of my social media, if they follow any of that stuff, they're like, dude, how, my God, man, you're always posting the most cool things and and stuff like that. And I'm not saying this, you know, this is not a humble brag. I, this is literally things I've been told. And I'll often say, I don't really think about it when I'm doing it. I'm just hoping to God that it's going to be good. I uploaded a little video that I thought everyone's going to hate this. The moment I did it, it was because I was, I had just set out the Roomba to clean the kitchen. And I thought, I wonder what happens if I hit record and I set my phone on the, on the Roomba for it to ride around. And then in my head, I came up with a character name called Juan de, de la Escoba, which is one of the broom. And I wanted, I wanted, I don't know why I just saw, you know, like I had a thousand other things I could be doing right at that time. Right. That got to get in catching up on laundry. I could have been doing anything else like that. But his voice started popping into my head. And probably some of this is because I'm watching Rogue One. And I am like tickled pink to hear any kind of like, you know, it's even coming out of me a little bit. there. <laughs> any kind of Mexican, you know, accent, a Hispanic accent coming out. That is something I, you know, you I, I heard that growing up. But like in Star Wars, I mean, that to me, man, like. What is his name? Diego Luna is killing it in that role. I haven't seen it all the way through yet. I've heard great things about it. I've been spoiler free, thank goodness, for the better part of it. But so I thought, you know, I want to do something like that. And I'm also looking forward to seeing that new Puss, uh, Puss in Boots movie. I, I really do love Antonio Banderas in that role. And I love that character when I was a little kid. Uh, but I, I put this video out and it was just me telling the story. And I... I I even forget how how I did it, but it starts off like, like what did I say? I think I said, hola, I am Juan de la Escoba. This is where I work. And I went and I kind of reread it to myself. I had no script. And basically I was just flying off the cuff of what I saw on there. At one point, I didn't even mean for it to happen. The, the Roomba got stuck and then the camera fell off and I had to ad lib in the middle of the video which was fun, which was great. It brought back memories of doing that sort of thing when I was still doing professional voiceover for Hallmark and just playing around on the microphone and stuff. And those little 
moments can elicit so much joy in me that I often think to myself, well, why am I not doing more things like that? And I could tell you why it was because of crushing things of like, oh, God, is this going to get any likes? Is anyone going to comment? Is anyone going to retweet? Is anyone even going to remotely like it? And thankfully, like it got about two, maybe maybe 300 views, I think closer to 250, something like that. doesn't really matter, although it does. Right. I'm saying it out loud. And like anything we do, I end up finding myself like, oh, my God, is this going to get any kind of traction? Is this going to be OK? Are people going to find this funny? And I guess I really miss when I would create and do things without any sort of feedback like that. I used to think back to when I was younger, I used to think back to moments when I was a kid and think, wow, I was so much more open to whatever I drew because it was just like, well, I'm going to draw this thing. I love how Optimus Prime looks. I'm going to draw him. I'm going to make derivatives of him and make a whole little comic book story of him. And then when I got older, now I think back to those days when I was in high school and when I was in college still trying to figure out what I was going to do and how much more free I felt back then. And although I've spoken about this in a multitude of other episodes, social media can really be something that will knock you down as much as it can pick you up. Because if if you fire off a comment or make something that either causes an argument or whatever, it can completely ruin your day or it could not. I have seen some amazing things. There was I'm not even going to give him the honor of naming his username, but I am using his username as a future thing in a project. So that this is a whole other thing that I'm talking about. Man, so many things. Right. I'm using the word thing too much. In this, there was a fellow that had posted up some artwork based on, man, I'm going to try and leave names out of all this, but a really well-known artist. And if you're on Twitter right now, you might have caught what's going on. He had a couple of animation films that were on featured on Netflix. The guy that, he, that, he, that this gentleman was copying had made some animated films for Netflix. Well, this fellow was making a book, and he had been using AI art. And he's like, I really want to be able to make art like this particular artist. And I, I don't understand why I can't. The, does anyone have any, under, any idea what the prompts will do, how this will work, and how I could get this to look more like this? And the thing was, evidently, after, I'm not joking, thousands of comments, it's he's not an artist. He's not anybody that's even trying. He's not trying to draw. He's not trying to do anything. He's just using AIR to publish, as he called it, a small little book for his niece. I mean, he quickly turned to playing the victim whenever he was saying that, you know, art shouldn't be guarded. And, oh man, he made so many comments about how we're gatekeepers, how art should be enjoyed by anyone, how anyone should be able to make art. And that was like, and I know that in my comment, I made quite a few that were probably more rude than they should have been, but I was like, you know, at one point, I know that I said something along the line of like, you're missing the whole point. You're sitting here saying that art should be made by anyone. What you're doing isn't art. It's literally just Googling pictures and then they're getting stuck together. That's what you're doing. If you want to learn, pick up a pencil, draw something. If you want to learn, grab some clay, create, grab a camera, do whatever you have to do. Grab a tool that will let you be creative and not pull from other people's existing creations to do this sort of thing. And again, this has been a very polarizing thing, but that there plays right back into a lot of what I feel may be a future issue. Thankfully, there have been some shows that have taken a stance against AI and the, the attitude that it is anything that could be published or trademarked or utilized in any real way. The fact of the matter is, is that the human ego 
for a vast majority of people is, but it looks cool and I can do it. And I created this. Well, you didn't really create it. I mean, the argument could be made. You entered in some words, but like that would be like me saying I discovered gravity because I happened to Google it and found the Wikipedia page and read it. I was like, my God, does anyone know about this? No, of course not. I created, I invented gravity. See how asinine that sounds? And that's what it feels like. And not to go on about that, because I don't want to. (laughs) The biggest thing is that over this year, as I was blogging and looking back at things like that, I thought to myself, man, of course, this is how the year is going to end. It's been this has been in discussion for a while, quite frankly. But there's always a challenge that rises up that can cancel out a lot of how I feel about myself in a positive way. And I've often been told you focus too much on the negative. Yeah, I do. I'll be the first one to admit that. Uh, the hardest thing about being a business owner, especially a sole proprietor, when you just really don't know where shit's going is well, where the hell is my money coming from? Right. You got to go out there. You got to, you got to find the work. You got to do these sort of things. And there are times in my mind when I really do enjoy that, when I really get excited about that. But then there are other times when I realize like, that's not how this works. And truthfully right now, I mean, I've, I'm looking over to the side right now and I have a bunch of stuff I've got to get off my drawing table. I haven't drawn on my graphic novel, my comic book for a few weeks now. And I'm more behind than I thought I was going to be, but I'm hoping that I can overcome that and quickly do that. There's a symbolic factor of, Hey, tomorrow's the last day of the year. You better get your shit together and get this going. So at least I've got that. As soon as I get this podcast done, I'm going to edit it and put it up online and go from there and, you know, start drawing, hopefully. But that also brings into the point a focus for this particular episode. I was overcome by a good friend of mine who recently suffered a loss in his family. And, uh, you know, without giving out any names or anything else like that, I think I'm safe to say that, uh, you know, it it caught everybody by surprise when it happened. I mean, that's the fucking shitty thing about death, right? Even when you anticipate it or expect it, it's still not a welcome thing. And um, most of this year has been spent with a very keen eye toward mortality and legacy and what we are and what we leave behind, which really fired up a, an effort this next year that I'm going to do. I had, let me back up a little bit first and say that, you know, when he, what happened was, and this is, again, I'm not going to name names when his wife passed away, it was suddenly, and There's a lot of heartbreak in me and, you know, thankfully it looks like he's had an outpouring of support and love and friendship blossom forward in, in, in his time of need. And I hope that he and his family will be okay. I mean, that's the only thing you can really wish in that time. Right. But it gave me pause when I was sitting there, like, like many things have in my life and you take, you it, get, it For me, it gave me a moment to sit here and be quiet and look around me and be grateful for everyone in my life 
and make me realize like there's people I need to reach out to, people I need to talk to, people I need to spend more time with, um, my animals, whatever. Because you just never know. You never know. You hope you'll see people at shows. You hope you'll see, you know, see things be okay, you know, over the course of your time that you're alive. But the truth is, is that whether it's death or people just moving on or whatever, things change, right? So that brought about a large amount of thought process for me when I was sitting here in the studio and I kept thinking to myself, like, you know, there's one thing to look at a lot of the stuff that we own. And I often question this a lot. And it's a hard question because as a creator, I am making shit to sell. I am creating things. I want to tell stories. I make books. I make stickers. I make shirts. You name it. I buy that same stuff from other people. But it's stuff, right? When we leave, we cannot take that. I have a fucking amazing collection of extremely hard to find video games. I have handmade prototypes of toys and action figures in my collection. Now I have very rare and very hard to find, um, toys and props and things all throughout my studio. I have easily a couple thousand dollars in art supplies and equipment, um, for recording, computer usage, lighting, you name it. And is it worth something? Sure, absolutely. Not 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 monetarily, I'm talking personally, emotionally. Absolutely. If it didn't, I wouldn't have made an Instagram specifically to talk about that stuff. Now, I can't take any of it with me. Sure, yeah, maybe, you know, if I'm buried in a coffin, you can dump some of that bullshit in there with me. And there have been plenty of people who've been like, I want to be buried in my Cadillac. Fantastic. It still doesn't mean anything. Wherever you went, we, we are wherever we end up, if there's somewhere that we end up, we don't take that with us because it's a material thing. And I don't mean that in a negative way, right? Let's say that you are religious and you have faith and there's an afterlife that you're expecting to go to. I hope there is. I really do. I don't even mean that in any sort of sarcastic sense. But even there, we should not expect to take anything that we have with us, right? I mean, that's what I understand. I used to be a Catholic. I used to be very religious for about, oh, nine, eight, nine years of my life. <laughs> and then I went through communion and completely lost my religion. Uh, yeah, that was, and that was just what I went through. Um, it was a very personal thing, and I just didn't. It, it was the first time in my life when I realized that what I make out of life is is the best thing that can happen for me, right? The experience is going to places and doing things. And this year was no exception for me. And this isn't bragging. This is just, I didn't want to wait. Even if I was in debt with stuff, even if I was behind on something, I'm like, fuck it. I got to go out and I got to see this thing. I got to do this thing. I got to talk to this person. I got to be around this person, whatever. Right. And because of that, I was able to catch up with friends. I was able to do other things that I hadn't in a long time. And I, there was a lot of times I was really uncomfortable. I was like, shit, I got, I got some bills coming up and, but I really want to go see this thing or do this thing. And, and it worked out. But there were other times whenever I also realized that, you know, it's it's fine and it's fun to go do these things. But I also recognize when I need to be very present for making a mark in what I leave behind. Because although I can't take anything with me, I feel that. If I can accomplish some of the things I am looking out to do, 
my legacy will always be the thing that if anyone cares to, they can remember me by that. So after all these years, I've really made a decision to think more along the line of like, well, what do I want to say? What books would I like to create? What things would I like to make? How many people can I get to laugh, to feel, to think? I used to downplay making this podcast. I still kind of do. I would always sort of celebrate my blog, but I'd also not really talk about it. And there were a ton of other things that I did that I just never really put forth as much compassion and love and interest into it as I really should have. It was almost like I was ashamed of what I did. In fact, I'm fairly certain that is a lot of the reason of why I did that. And I find myself struggling now trying to give myself permission. That's That sounds fucking crazy, doesn't it? But giving myself permission to to go out and do shit. I mean, something that nobody had told me when I was growing up was that the older you get, the more, the, the more, at least in my case, the more reluctant I am to want to be imaginative. And I'm talking about everyday things, but it's even crossing over into the creative output that I'm trying to do for my comics and whatever else I'm creating. And I've heard it said that it's because our minds become less elastic. And that's because I guess when we're young and I'm, I, I know nothing really about the brain from that aspect. This is just what I've been reading from some people that knew their shit. And if I was smart, I would have had the sources and everything in front of me, but when do I plan that far ahead? The idea is that, uh, you know, when we're younger, our minds are very elastic and we're capable of learning things a lot more. Case in point, I know that when I was young, I sucked in the Italian language. You know, I, it was not a problem. I'm relearning it now. It is a problem. I spend probably 20 minutes... Every two days, I would say on average, somewhere in there on learning in Duolingo, which honestly has been pretty good. I've been at it for 200 days, 200 consecutive freaking days with like three days that saved me because of freeze points, which if you use it, you'll know what I'm talking about. And uh, but I've managed to learn a lot more French. Um, I've started relearning Italian. My Spanish is getting a lot better. And I've even tried a few times to learn German. But it hasn't really, like, I haven't progressed too far from, you know, like, saying things like Wein und Wasser, you know, like wine and water, you know, simple things that you're like, this is the kind of stuff that I am never going to get out of jail with if I ended up in jail. And um, I know that I plan on ending up in any German jails. But that's the sort of thing that when I think about that, you know, like, those are things that I'm doing because I... I I have this stupid dream in my back of my head that someday I will be able to do sh shows overseas and in different places. And I would like to at least have some base knowledge of what the language and the cultures are like. I came to a realization, not just because a good friend of mine had lost a loved one. And I have another friend who has a very sick dog and they're trying everything in the world to save it. And I hope, I hope they do. 
it the issue of mortality comes into play a lot of times but with that mortality issue also comes the the extra luggage of time how much time do we have what is time is it a construct is it something that we are are applicating upon our own lives i mean think about it if there was no calendar how do i really know that tomorrow would have any real emphasis for anyone I was at Costco earlier buying a bunch of stuff and I noticed a bunch of people had wine and party things. They were lining up for celebrating New Year's Eve. And I think when I was younger, I used to think that that was kind of important. I know when I was a kid, I got excited about that. It was just like witnessing this amazing thing that was man-made happen. You know, it was like watching a a calculator come up with a new number. And uh, one one of my favorite memories was when I was in high school and we celebrated New Year's Eve. When I say we, it was a bunch of friends of mine from from school. And uh, I don't, I'm going to put this down for posterity in case maybe someday in the future, like this jackass, who did he know? <laughs> that makes me laugh that anyone would even listen to somebody's random ass podcast, like a hundred or a thousand years in the future. But you never know. I mean, it's oh, it's always stunning to me, like, whose media survives from even 100 years ago that were like, oh, they didn't think that was going to happen. They had no idea. They didn't care. But I'll state these names because these were good friends of mine at the time. Um, and, th- and some of them still are. Uh, there was my buddy Chris Trotter. There was uh, another gentleman that I still keep in touch with, who I still consider a dear friend, Ray Rolls, my buddy David Miller, and I believe my friend Ronnie Fortune was there. And then another fellow named Roy Goodman, who I was pretty good friends with at the time. I, I think we're still in good standing. Not really sure. And uh, we were all out at Sunset Hill Cemetery in Warrensburg, Missouri. Fucking middle of the night. And uh, so let me, let me give you a little bit of context in here. My friend Ronnie's father worked at Sunset Hill Cemetery. So we didn't really feel weird about being out there, but we would park outside of the gate and then there were ways to get in there. Like you could walk in through some of the other areas. And it was also, which we did this one night and I was like, man, you couldn't pay me enough money to do that. Now, if you go to the, so I'm trying to think here, if you go to the Southern part of the cemetery, there is a pathway and I say pathway, it could have just been a game trail. Fuck, I don't know. But it went through a bunch of trees and a creek bed and all this other shit for a while. You could wander all the way down to another much older cemetery that had people that were buried there from the Civil War and a little bit earlier. So territorial burials and things like that. Back when Warrensburg was a much smaller town, if, if just a settlement. And so... But we stayed out one night, and I think I may have been 17 years old. Maybe it was my my junior year in high school. And it, that year was a very interesting year for me. It, it, I don't know how many other people feel this way, but when you're in high school, for me at least, even though I didn't like high school, I got picked on mercilessly. I was just, uh, and I was not, I was just not in a good place. Uh, you kind of feel like those days are going to go on forever, which is, I think, the romantic aspect of, of when shows are made that way, whether it's Ferris Bueller's Day Off or, you know, even like the Stranger Things show you know those moments are filmed and that cast that 
that set of characters are isolated and frozen forever within this environment that you can relive. So the familiarity of the eighties aspect of like, you know, the, the rough principle or the friendships or the wood grain panels in the house or the way the locker sounded, no cell phones, all this other stuff is wild, right? That aesthetic stays there. So I remember during that new year's Eve, like it, it sticks with me because it was such, that was the year that wasn't the eighties. It was like 1991, maybe 1990. So just after the eighties, but that specific night for me stayed in my head. And I don't even remember why it was so goofy and kind of the edgy thing to do when you're a kid, but we were just, none of us were drinking. We didn't do anything. We we're just hanging out talking. Cause it was, it was somewhere where we knew people wouldn't mess with us. We didn't do anything weird. We weren't doing anything odd. I mean, I guess your average person's going to be like, why the fuck were you in a cemetery at midnight? And understand culturally, I was raised by a grandmother was like, you know, all about the witching hour and just not being out in a, <laughs> not being out in a graveyard. But I do remember how ah, it was such a good feeling to just be out and be on my own out there with my friends. And, you know, my parents really didn't question too much about that. They were like, well, he's hanging out with friends. I think if they had found out I was hanging out in a cemetery, they were like, what the hell is wrong with you? Might have gotten an ass whipping from that, too. But we were just hanging around talking. And right around the time it was midnight. I don't know why or who started it. I don't know if it's Chris. Maybe maybe they'll remember this. Somebody decided they wanted to howl. Now, understand, right about this time, we were really big into playing both Vampire the Masquerade and I loved Werewolf the Apocalypse. For those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, both of those were games created by White Wolf Publishing. And they were very, like, modern gothic retellings on an alternate earth of vampires and werewolves and ghosts and mummies and fairies and all these other things. And that's what I remember of it anyway. It was like the first edition version of it. So we were addicted to it. And I used to play, I either played a Ravnos vampire or I played any number of the werewolf tribe members that you could roll up for the games. And we were just sitting out there for like three or four minutes over the course of a minute right before New Year's Eve until about three minutes afterward, just howling, howling. I don't even know if the moon was out. It was just so much stupid fun. And, you know, in therapy, they'll often ask, do you remember the last time you genuinely did something that just made you happy? It didn't harm anyone else. It didn't do anything. It was just you were happy. And that's one that always comes back to me. It was further reinforced sometime later when after some years, Friends of mine had moved away, and then um, we had visited. They came down to visit us, uh, both Ray and Chris, and Chris had brought back these gifts that I don't know if anyone else still has theirs or not. I still wear it to this day. If you look at the uh, if you look at the image of the uh, podcast, if you're able to see that, that ring is one of the rings that Chris gave each one of us. They were these rings that signified us all being part of a wolf pack, not this lone wolf mentality bullshit, but a wolf pack that took care of each other. And for me, that was one of the dearest and kindest things I've ever been given. In fact, when I go on job interviews, when I've been in, when I've recorded things for Hallmark, when I went in for the audition to see if I could become a voice actor when just any number of times in my life after that, that I really felt nervous. I put on this ring that signified memories of what 
that time was like having those friends that had my back. Now, do I think that most of them still have my back if I needed them? Probably. I'd like to think so. Maybe that's just the the thing I tell myself so that I have some sort of, uh, I don't know, <sighs> comfort maybe is the word I'm looking for and that, you know, that they would be there for me, you know? I don't know. Maybe that's just an extension of just like from the games when we played and like the heroes would always remember each other and come back. I remember that was very much the theme in the Dragonlance Chronicles series, uh, which was a you know, wonderful series. and was my first real big love and foray into getting into reading about fantasy. A lot of people would call it fantasy light, but I still think they're fucking excellent books. But in that, a lot of the adventures meet up again at, a, at an inn and they... Some time has clearly passed and they're, you know, meeting up and talking to one another. And it goes from there. And I was always fascinated that there had been an, there had been stories prior about them, but we didn't know what they were. And some years later, they ended up publishing the prequel novels to them. And I always told myself, like, I've lived through the prequels and now I am at this point in my life. And I like to keep in touch with people and I try and talk to them and, and be around them as much as I can online. But the point that I was going with all of this, sorry, I am so like off the beaten track on this. I think I'm just fucking happy to be recording this podcast and just in a great mood. So be aware this, this fucker may run an hour. And, uh, and I realized that, you know, back then when that same night, when I was thinking of the new year, when I, cause I think we crossed over into 19, I think we crossed over into 1991 and I was facing my senior year in high school. And there was so much pressure put on people, right? You you go to school and the idea is you're going to change the world. You're going to get out there and you're going to do something that is like fucking spectacular. You know? I don't know what it is, but boy, do they play that up in the in the graduation thing, right? Like who hasn't sat there? I think it's called commencement. I'm not even sure. I didn't care. I I honestly graduated almost third to the last of my class. My GPA was terrible. I didn't take it seriously. I should have. Um, but I also didn't have to go to college either. So, you know, there's a lot of things there. I am glad I did. Don't get me wrong. It was fun. Seven years. I'm no idiot. And I thought back to that time going through that. And I remember thinking to myself how, how I was going to miss so much of what had happened. And that in the blink of an eye, it was gone. And I've talked to people about that before. Younger people I've known that were graduating and things like that. And I've often said, take pictures, live in that moment. Before you know it, you're going to be home. And life will suddenly have a very odd feeling to it. For some people, it's just another Tuesday or whatever. For for other people, it's, wait, what just happened? And how is that over? I think we end up thinking a lot about that through life. And I found a really cool analogy in the fact that high school, grade school, things that happened to us when we're kids kind of set us up for what this long haul of adulthood is. Now, adulthood can be broken up into a lot of different things, whether it's the relationships you have, the jobs and places you work, the people you'll meet, whatever, right? There's a multitude of things, the birth of a child, you know, getting a, getting a new dog coming to your life, seeing something amazing like, you know, Old Faithful at, at Yellowstone. These moments where you're like, holy shit, I'm right here. This is amazing, right? And 
you know, to bring this full circle back with the whole concept of, of, of being aware of time and social media and how that affects us. I am made aware of a lot more things in life I'd love to see. And I often think to myself, like, how in the hell am I ever going to get around to doing these things? And every year I think back to everything I've been through. And this year was exceptionally crazy in the fact that I recorded every single show that I went to. There is media now that exists. I am like still six or seven entries behind. And I also went to some other wonderful things too, like the Kansas City Zoo Light show, the the Knights of Lights at the Renaissance Festival, you name it. There was just a plethora of things I did. And this isn't bragging. This is just stuff that I was like, I want to experience this. I want to go see this. I want to do this fucking thing. And I did. And they were fun and they were amazing. The, the, The last thing I went to here recently was the Mayan exhibit. I'm going to tell you right now, so many of these things, and this is this is just my two cents on this, they all are things that I do for research as well as entertainment. So they, it's easy for me to be able to say, hey, if I can afford this, if I can, if I have a little bit that I can put toward this, I'm going to go do these things, right? Because it's a fucking write-off. It's, I went to go, st- like, first of all, I am an indigenous person, and learning about the Maya, learning about that sort of thing helps the artwork that I create. It reinvigorates me it is something that i can go and look at and then after that i'm able to go i enjoyed this i learned from it and i implicated a lot of the changes in my artwork and my career by art implicated changed a lot of the (laughs) what did i implicate i suddenly was fucking accessory to something i um i'm able to take that and say well this is something i did that worked toward what i'm doing and that is a unique circumstance to be in right now That aside, it was still something where I'm still very much reluctant to be able to embrace those things and move forward with what I feel would be successful. And I wanted to make it a year where if people question me, and this is no shit, you can look at any blog post I did this year, and there is a lot of them on there now. Every show, there are photos of either the load in or the load out. The crowd, the things, but at the the big one, the one that is the gut punch is at the end, there is a breakdown of what I spent, what I earned, what I lost, what got messed up, everything. And yes, I'm promoting them shamelessly here. If you're going to start on one that is a hell of a long read and you want to hear some bullshit, go read the one on C2E2. That was insane. There were other shows. There's some I still haven't even finished yet that I'm like, why did this happen? Not anything close to what C2E2 was, but there's still moments where I was like, why is this happening to me? And it, you know, you and I, and every last bit of self doubt, every last bit of wondering what, what is happening here? Right? Like, should I even be an artist at this point? Or should I just go and I don't know, pick something else, <laughs> anything else. Right. But the thing is, is like, the end of the year for me also signifies, well, you made it, right? You you made it this far. You completed one more, one more trip around the sun. It's like a birthday, only not as depressing. And it's amazing to think about the times we live in and what we have. And I often wonder... How are the generations that live today, myself included, in that? How do we grow on beyond that? And how do we make life be fucking amazing for everybody, including ourselves moving forward? 
Because it does seem a lot of times there are plenty that don't want that. And this isn't to get political or anything else like that. I'm just being realistic. I used to work with people um, a couple different places. I'm not going to name those places because I don't want to call those people out directly. But I've worked at a few places that I would talk to people and they had a very limited view on what they could do in life. They didn't feel like they could do anything else, that they couldn't move on, that while I'm past... I'm past 45 or I'm past 50 and I don't really see any change in my life. And it could be for monetary reasons. Lord knows. I know that fucking angle. Um, it could be from, you know, you know, self-worth issues, whatever. But when those things happen, I often will look and think, is there anything that I could do that would help motivate people and get them going? So the first thing I thought about was, well, it's not like I'm a millionaire and I sure as fuck can't like buy everything on the planet and I can't hire people and I can't do shit, right? So what the hell do you do when you're a mostly broke artist most of the time, most of the year? <laughs> and I'm like, well, you dumb bastard. You, you do something with the shit you know how to do. And uh, so what I'm doing is starting... I, if you guys have read on my website before, there's a bunch of really cool interviews on there. I used to send out these things, but I thought... I kind of want to meet up with people and interview them. And that'll be the evolution of this. I'm not saying that the creative interviews will go away. I still want to do that. Right. It'll be a little more work because what'll happen is I'm going like, I'm I'm still going to use that format so that I have a visual companion, but I specifically want to do some things where I'm going to be talking to people. And I've reached out to a few people now and I'll be reaching out to some more people. And wanting to conduct interviews that way, like saying, hey, when do you have time to get together and just, you know, hang out and talk about subject matters, A, Y, B, and A, Y, B, and C. Why the fuck did I say Y, B? That's so weird, right? (laughs) A, B, and C. Uh, Don't drink soda. It fucks up your alphabet. Let's take another swig. I... I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know. Like, it's really weird. I, I For a while, and I finally got convinced to add some form of monetization to my blogging. So if you look on the blogs down at the bottom, I think the C2E2 one was the first one I did it with. You can look down at the bottom and there's a little animated bubbly fucker that's down at the bottom that's like, hey, if you like my blog, support me with a small tip through PayPal. It's not, you know, like, you don't have to do it. I'm still going to talk. I'm still going to put my mind out there. I'm still going to make these things because I like it. But I just thought to myself, well, I've just created something that's fairly freaking invaluable. You can read it for free. But if you like the information I went through, understand that as a one-man show, pulling this full circle all the way to the beginning of this thing, <laughs> I I do this all myself. Nobody was there to help me at C2E2 or any of these shows where I was able, like, occasionally like my brother would watch my table or I'd have friends stop by or something. But otherwise... It's up to me to, like, stage shots, do B-roll content, all this other stuff. I mean, I I haven't used it yet. I got a new small camera mini rig that I wear, and it's part of my badge holder. And I'm going to be using that starting next year for various things, like just from freaking interviews to other stuff like that to just attending at shows. It's like a... It's like it, it, the damn thing can run for, I think, 10 hours nonstop on one charge, and it records HD video. I was so excited. It's essentially like a body cam, just a little bit better quality, and it is really meant for a lot of B-roll shots 
or intermittent shots that don't require, you know, the main main roll shots, like where I'm talking to the camera or something as much. But I wanted something where I'm not consistently whipping out the camera to take, you know, my phone and doing that sort of thing. I have a multitude of cameras I'll utilize for productions. I've only ever managed to get my phone out for most of them because it's just faster and easier than lugging around a bunch of extra camera equipment. In my studio, that's a completely different thing. But I wanted to be able to move forward with interviews with people and do some stuff that I thought was much more like, hey, let's jump into something really cool and talk about either things that are happening today that incorporate and talk about art and creativity and what is happening. And then also what are the challenges? What are the struggles? What are what's the real nitty gritty bullshit that people go through? I think it'll be cathartic for some people. And I hope that you guys will tune in for that. So, you know, yeah, essentially, this is the last episode of this current season. And that's why I am going out on a slam bang uh, one hour show. I have like 15 more minutes of bullshit to talk about. <laughs> I bet you guys are like, great. Uh, but yeah, I. <sighs> it's weird. I often will suffer from, you know, not feeling that I have enough creative uh, capacity. To, to, to pull things off. And I'm often, I had, I had a really good friend of mine one time tell me, I don't know what the hell you're complaining about. Look at what all the things are that you do. And you're still here at this show doing this. And I've had people ask me like, you know, who's doing your photography? Who's doing all this? Do it's just me. I, I do all that stuff. Um, because I, I think I have a few friends that would could can relate to this aspect. I do it because it's a sense of accomplishment, but it's also this factor of I just don't want to rely on anyone else to create the things that I want to do specifically. And it makes it easier for me to be able to have some controlled facet over my output and enjoy it more, you know. So there's nothing really wrong in my mind with that. It's like, well, it is what it is. It's just whatever. I often... We'll think back, though, and focus on the negative. And that's not good. And I do that more than I'm comfortable admitting. And, I, that you know, no joke, when I was doing all of these things, I know a lot of people are like, well, why are you even reviewing these things? You know, if they're terrible, just stick to the positive. Well, that's true. But, and this was especially true when I did the uh, Kansas City Japan Festival. I had a few people that came up and, which I was really pleased about this. Um, I never really have people come up that follow me on Facebook. I have people that have talked to me who said, oh, I follow your blog or something like that. And I've had people, which I was like, that's a weird thing. I had two people this year ask me if I had a newsletter because they wanted to be able to stay more in contact and more in touch with what I did. And I was like, oh, great. Well, that's not one more thing I had thought about doing, but I guess I am now. So uh, the, the thing that I really thought about with all of this was that, you know, it's it's really nice when people do come forward and will talk to me about what I'm putting out there and stuff like that. And that is a high. It's something I'm very much addicted to. I'm not ashamed to admit that, you know, for me, it's like, well, no, I really, you know, like it gives me a moment to be myself. It gives me a moment to control what I want to talk about and what I want to think about. And when I'm feeling really down or I'm feeling insecure about what I'm doing, what my output is, I can do something like this and feel better. It's cathartic. It is. I, I, for an hour, I was able to record down and 
even though I'm right now in my studio staring at at Adobe Audition and checking my levels and everything else like that and making sure this even records okay, I'm still just fucking talking to myself and hoping people will later will be like, hmm, okay, yeah, that's an hour of bullshit I'll listen to. Thankfully, some of you really do care and do. <laughs> I am very excited about that. And, uh, and soon you'll be able to see me on other things doing dumb stuff like that, but there'll be video included. Won't that be fascinating? I say that, but I already do that on TikTok. I'm just talking about, I'm super nervous about doing Twitch this next year. And I keep asking myself, like, is this really what I want to do? Is this really what I want to get out there and do? Cause I'm not, I'm not as flashy as some of my friends and, and other people I know on there. I, I don't really care that much to do the extra. I just want to be able to stream what I'm doing, what I'm creating and, have a good time doing it you know and i think that's all i really have to do but i somehow i managed to convince myself that i need to do more anyway i got about two minutes left so with that thanks for listening and i don't really believe in this whole new year thing and if i go over if i go over the uh the one hour mark here actually what am i saying i got 11 minutes i'm not gonna go over it If um, if you're hearing this and it's after the new year, I hope that you're just going to be able to do the best you can. There's no fucking way any one of us can go, this is going to be my year. Fuck that. Stop putting that pressure on you. It's not worth it. The truth is we don't have, we have no goddamn clue. We have no clue. Want proof of that? What if tomorrow? No, no, no. Let's say we're having a great year and everything, right? And then Friday. We find out, hey, hey, uh, yeah, there's going to be pandemonium and it's going to be uh, like a purge style sort of thing because there's a meteor that is going to hit us by Sunday. Could you imagine the pandemonium? Could you imagine how nuts that would be? All the things, right, that would cross our minds. Let it flow over you right now. And I don't mean this in a negative way, right? Because I'm just as guilty of not being present-minded, mindful of the moment that I'm in, and grateful for the things I have. And even grateful for the ability to, in most cases, change where I'm heading in life. I can't make myself younger. I can't go back to my high school days. I probably wouldn't want to. I can keep making a podcast. I can keep drawing. I can keep learning. And you can too. Maybe not drawing. I don't know. AI doesn't count. But I'm saying that like you can probably do anything else you want to do. And I've told myself that plenty of times before, right? I just don't want time to run out. I remember one of the most heartbreaking things was in an interview that, and I could be wrong on this. Maybe this is all anecdotal. I'm not exactly sure right off the cuff, but I believe that there was an interview that they had with Jim Lee where they were talking about, is there anything that you want to add to your career at this point? And I remember they kind of, they included it, but I thought, man, you did not give it the gravitas that that moment really deserved when he said, I just wish there was more time. Now, I always have mixed feelings about that, especially when it comes to Stanley, because I just realized if I said Jim Lee earlier, I'm just an idiot. I meant Stanley. 
the creator of Marvel or the head writer of Marvel, whatever it was. I'm not that big of a fan, but Jack Kirby had a lot of freaking influence in that seeing as how he was the visual mastermind behind the, why did I throw an extra syllable in there? He was the visual mastermind behind a lot of what we have and what has been made. And he was really left off of a lot of things. But I can understand where where Stanley was coming from in that he probably would have loved to have seen the MCU flourish as it did. And for him to have been maybe no older than 50 years old. It wasn't that they didn't try making movies in the 60s or 70s, from what I understand, or any efforts like that. They probably did. There's, I know there's a multitude of them I haven't seen, even through the 80s. But, you know, you at that point, you figure, though this is the best I got, this is what I can do. I've often thought to myself, like, I might, if I'm lucky, make it into my 90s, and when I get to be 90 years old, they'll be just like, you know what we really need? We need somebody who... The new hip hop, you know, hip hot cool thing is to be insecure, go to therapy, all this like everything that I find wrong with me right now will be the shit. That will be when I'm like, fuck, why couldn't I be 16 now? You know? And it's an obsession. The whole thing can become a crazy obsession. I recently saw the the second Avatar movie, which um I don't really give a care about the haters. I went to go see it for the visual feast that it was, and it was really good. It isn't as eyeball-popping as the first Avatar was. The first Avatar very much gave me back that feeling like when I went to go see Jurassic Park and Ellie and Dr. Grant like got out of the Jeep and it, you know, they're like, oh my god, what are they seeing? And you see the Brachiosaur like eating in the tree. Like forever that will be embellished in my brain. When I first saw that, I wasn't in a theater, I was in a drive-in. I was like, oh my god. God, what the hell, man? And it was the most real thing I'd seen. The only other time I'd felt that way was the very first time I saw Toy Story over at a friend's house. And I was like, what is... That's computers? And I felt that way the very first time I saw the very first Avatar. Now, this one, there was a lot more that I was like, yeah, they've definitely upped the game. The motion capture underwater was insane. There was just so much stuff for me that I was like, this is fairly stunning. And it... And it, but it does make me realize, like, does Jim Cameron often think, God, I need another 20 years of life to finish this? Because when you're creative and you've made things and you're seeing wonderful, beautiful things happen, you don't even have to be a creative. You could just be a lover of the, of what life is, of the world. You know? How does it affect you? You know? Because I know that, like, that was the thing in that movie. Hopefully this is... This, no, this isn't, this isn't giving shit away because the plot was pretty bizarre. But there is this weird, weak throwaway thing that I'm like, why wasn't the story specifically around this thing? The first movie, spoiler alert, the first movie had this whole aspect of trying to mine a thing called unobtainium. For some reason, that whole avenue has dropped in this film. It's like, no, we're back just to fuck with the natives. But in that process, they were hunting these whales. And at no point in time in the film is the is there's one whale that is a central character, kind of. But there is a point in there where they end up harvesting something from the brainstem of a whale, one of the whales on Pandora. And it's this yellow, gooey, pus-like substance that kind of looks like a cross between pus and honey. And I'm never going to be able to get that visual out of my head. And the character 
you can tell it's kind of a weird throwaway thing, but the character explains that this here is, you know, it, it grants immortal life. It literally doesn't, you don't age. You literally stop aging. And so it was priceless. It was immaculate, right? And I was stunned by that. Because I was like, that's amazing. And the movie doesn't do anything with it. That's not any kind of spoiler for you. There you go. It's not, there's, I promise you, you will watch the movie and go, what the fuck was that about? Because this, it, that's exactly how I felt in the film. I was happy that I saw the rest of it, but like, it was still like, what the fuck did I just watch? Yeah. So I'll leave you with that. With that. I'm going to go ahead and end this now because I need to get to editing and I need to get to cleaning and I need to get my art shit back together. <laughs> I have a lot of stuff to do. I always have a lot of stuff to do and I hate it. Our life should not be dictated by this aspect. And that is one of my goals. I don't know what your new year's resolutions are. I don't really do them. I, I really don't. I, I can't fucking stand them. Every time I try and do them, it's just like setting myself up for failure. I have like here next to me. I have these books um, that I have two of them. Now. I have a planner because I'm a fucking psycho. I have a paper planner. And then I have this other, my, my, uh, hero's journal that I've been using. I've got to write in that tonight, but, um, do you like that audio, <laughs> the sound effects, the Foley, the, um, uh, those were real books. I wasn't fucking around with that, <laughs> but I, um, I've already lost my train of thought. See, this is one of the reasons why I didn't make it as a stand up comedy, uh, person. I still want to kind of go back and do that. I don't think I'm that funny, but I really did miss getting in front of crowds and that one time that I like literally performed for like two or three people and a dog. Great memory. Not really. I, I am looking forward to all the things that are going to happen for this next year. And I, you know, real talk, sincere bullshit here. Um, for all of you listening, thank you. And for those of you that have talked to me about my podcast and stuff like that, I sincerely appreciate that. For so many of of you that I have met and talked to and have been a part of my life, um, thank you. You've made my life richer and more amazing, and I hope that it's never too late to get together and say hello to one another and hang out, whether it's at shows or over dinner or something. I never want my life to be so fucking busy that I can't make time for the people in life because, you know, we don't know when life just ends we just don't know that you know so i'll end this with one quick note and that's going to be it i had off i had actually thought about making a uh making this about this particular thing but it's amazing to me how one person can affect you and it intertwines in many different ways for any of you that are power rangers fans you know that just a while back uh jason david frank took his life and i Never actually met the fellow. I was in proximity. I've been within three feet of him. I have watched him sign things and all of that stuff. When I was younger, and my brother is 10 years younger than me, okay? And he is a devout and fanatical Power Rangers fan, specifically now the Japanese variants of them before they were Power Rangers. And, um, but he always loved. The Green Ranger. I mean, who didn't? There's probably not many people that are just like, oh, hey, all of this. No, it's the Green Ranger or the White Ranger. Or later as he became the Red Ranger. He, um, Jason David Frank was, (laughs) I remember that, um, it was, it seemed really weird this year specifically 
uh, my brother, att- we attended a show that he was at and we went to go see, I think it was Planet Comic Con. He was signing and doing all these other things. We went to his panel and I remember it was the panel right before Adam Savage's. And I wish now that I'd recorded that panel that he did. That was really, I, I almost thought about it. But I was like, oh, I don't have a lot of storage left on my phone. Really weird moment. Anyway, I didn't meet him at that show, but um, there was another circumstance where he came to another uh, small comic store here in Kansas, uh, Elite Comics. And my brother was like, hey, do you want to go with me? I'm going to go down there and see that. I'm like, yeah, sure. And usually when we go, we'll make it a day. We go hang out, see stuff, and then maybe go get something to eat. I just love hanging out with a brother that has the same interests as me. And uh, when we went, the reason I really loved the whole Power Rangers thing was I didn't know what to think of it when it came out and I was a little too old for it, but my brother was really big into it. And now we're, we were both getting back into it and I've been really reengaging with what it is, but I love the green Ranger. It blew my mind. I love the original Megazord. I love all that stuff. In fact, I actually have a, the black and gold dragon Zord here in my studio and uh, the black and gore, uh, gold dragon Zord. Eventually I'll get a Titanus or Titanus Titanus. Where the hell did that come from? And you know, have all three on display, but I really loved that whole thing. And it was special because when my brother was growing up, that was something I could kind of bond with him. I didn't understand power Rangers because the weird part was I had seen some of these shows similar, these Sentai shows when I was living in Italy, but they were dubbed in Italian. I didn't really know what I was watching, but they were cool. It was all martial arts and robots and people in spandex armor fighting. Well, over this year, you know, it was really kind of a special moment for me because, like, we really started to kind of, like, bond over this. I guess started getting excited and and interested again in this stuff, especially the Japanese import stuff or older series. And I love older robot designs, you know, for the Megazords and all this other stuff. Just in general, I love robot designs. Well, when he passed away, that hit hard. I think I was the one that broke the news to my brother. I think he was like, you know, what the fuck? Um, and rightfully so. And I got upset. I remember, I distinctly remember, I I know I've talked about this before. I don't get upset over famous people passing unless it is something that specifically triggers a memory for me. And so I can think of a few people that I got upset when they passed, right? A few. And... um I think John Denver was one of the first that I got a little sad when he died because I equivocated him so much in connection to the Muppet show. And just, I liked his music and it was something when I was younger, I just loved what he sang. I just, it made me want to go to Colorado. It made me want to become an outdoorsman more with that. There were times I'd go camping and I was the music in my head. And then, uh, when Mr. Rogers passed away, that was a hard one. I think it was more measured because of his legacy of what he'd left behind and also what he stood for. And then the one that I really, really freaking lost it. When I saw it, I remember I was um, actually in the room upstairs from me where my computer was originally set up. And I broke down, but that was Mr. Steve Irwin. And that was so hard. He represented a lot of what of the things that I believe in, you know, and there have been other people, too, since then, like Mitch Hedberg and others like that, different people from different areas. Right. I mean, and really, none of them have much to do with each other. 
you know, as far as like where their backgrounds were or anything else like that. But there were aspects of them that related into aspects for me. And they all died from different things, you know, that tragically in most cases, you know, the thing is that regardless of the of the cause of death, it's the legacy that, that was silenced for the most part or it ended. The legacy came to something of an end, but thankfully in some ways has lived on. And for Jason David Frank, when I told my brother that, I really got upset for about an hour. But see, this was a fellow that I had seen at shows. I had taken photos of him from afar. I'd always said, man, he seems like such a cool guy to want to meet. And I'll tell this story now because I really want to add this on there and just blow the fuck out of the hour limit. I normally tell myself I'll never go over. But I, when we went to the event in uh, in Kansas at Elite Comics, he was there. <laughs> such an awkward but funny moment. There was a bunch of fans out there and everyone was trying to figure out how to use this app. And I guess for some reason they, it's an app called Telegram. And I'm like, Jesus, like there's not enough fucking messaging apps on my phone. Just, just message me on Facebook, like use your page. And I was, just, I was in a shit mood. Cause I'm like, we shouldn't have to do this. Like, come on, man. Like there's a good group of us out here waiting. And, uh, but we, we walked the fuck in the store. We didn't know what was going on. So we walked in and I hadn't talked to any, I didn't know anybody from elite comics that ran it. I was introduced to the owner and he meeting him that day actually led to me doing the elite comics toy drive for children's mercy. Like I think a week or two later, something like that. Um, and so when we walked in, we didn't know what we were doing. Like, I was, where's the line to meet him and all this other stuff. It was like, we ignored everyone that was outside. And, uh, the, there was an old buddy of mine in there, uh, Cameron, he was like, he goes by CW cook. He was like, what are you guys doing here? No, you got to go back outside and just kind of giving us a mock hard time. We got out there and I waited for him. He's like, you want to come in there, dude? I'm like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I don't know why, but like the bitch came out in me at that point. And I was like, Oh, I can't meet the green ranger. I'm not cool enough. Fucking weird. Right. Because like I've met other people that were famous. I've had some embarrassing encounters with famous people before, but I have always loved the fact that when I did meet people, I'm like, Holy shit, this is this, this dude that played this character or was this thing. You know, because that's what I really go there for. If they're nice people, that's a that's a bonus, right? Um, but most of the time, I'm just like happy that I get to meet these people and say thank you for what you did, right? Um, I met Brent Spiner a few years ago at a show, and that was really cool. And I remember when I was there. This has been a while. God, this has been a long while. Now that I'm thinking about it. Um, I passed him in the hallway, and I remember going, "Hey, Data," and I just walked by, and he kind of looked at me funny, like, "Who the fuck? Who who is this guy?" And I remember I got into the hotel, into not the hotel, but the elevator to go down. I'm like, what the fuck did I just do? Why did I call him data? Why did I keep walking by? Like we were like on first name basis. I apologize profusely. I must've come off like a simpering asshole. He's like, no, it's not a big deal. It's really not. I, I was clearly the one making it a big deal, but I somewhere along the line regained my coolness and was able to like handle like what my absolute favorite freaking character in Star Wars is Darth Maul. Always. I don't care. I don't even care what else comes out. It will always be Darth Maul. Like, Andor is quickly becoming the second favorite character for me. But no, it's Darth Maul. Even above Darth Vader. Darth Vader's like somewhere down around 10 or something. Like, I just, I I don't know why. It's the design. It's the fact what Ian McKegg did in designing him. All this other stuff. Um, and I know I've talked about this before. I have a good size really cool collection of Darth Maul memorabilia. A lot of it's signed and things like that here in the studio. Um, and I am a nutball for that character. And Ray Park is such a cool guy 
when I met him, it was like just like talking to just somebody I would have gone to school with. It was just a really cool thing. Very personable fellow. You know, immediately made me feel at, at ease and everything. I was sweating. Another guy that was like that was, uh, oh, God, he played the Fonz, and I'm forgetting his name right now, uh, Henry Winkler. When I met him, kindest and nicest man in the world, and, and I'm really glad I got a chance to meet him. I have a photo with him sitting over here, too. But when I when it was my turn to meet the Green Ranger, I don't know what it was. I was thinking in my head, like, and it, it goes to show how mental health can affect you. Because I didn't really have this feeling of lack of self-worth in the years prior. And this year was really bad for me. It's just fucking horrible. And I wanted to meet him. And then I remember uh, another buddy of mine, DeMont, that I I saw him there at, at the uh, Elite Comics. He came out. He was like, is anyone else out here want to meet him? And I'm like, I almost said, yeah, I, yeah if, if, if he's down with that, I'd love to meet him or that sort of thing. But I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know if I had the ability to go in there and do that, which is a weird thing to say, right? Just go fucking meet somebody. And I, I couldn't even do that. I was like, no, I'm good. And uh tried to play it off a little bit and everything. It's so stupid. And I regretted that because, you know, I thought, well, I'll see him at another show. I'll, 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 you know, something else will happen. I'll, I'll get a chance to meet him. And uh, I remember, you know, even when we went to go get something to eat, I remember thinking, like, I fucked up, didn't I? I really messed that up. I should have just been smart enough to go and talk to him and just say, Hey, and tell him the story of how, why I was a fan of his, right? Because it, it gave a bridge of connection between me and my brother. And, and it was just cool. It was just fucking cool. And the day that he took his life, all I could think to myself was like, well, great and i and i got upset i'm getting a little misty-eyed right now thinking about it too because like that's still pretty fresh right you don't want to hear that you hate to see the people that you looked up to as heroes even if they were just playing characters you hate to see them suffer you hate to see anyone suffer if you're if you're an even a halfway decent person not an asshole you hate to see people suffer and that was a hard one and i and understand that like many of us you know um I, i'm sure many of you that are listening to this can think of people who've taken their lives you know, um, I'm just trying to think of different people that I knew in media that, you know, from like Kurt Cobain to Eddie, I think Eddie Guerrero, the wrestler did, um, you know, and, and you think to yourself like, holy shit, or even people that maybe they didn't take their lives, but they were put through hell because of things that happened. Like, you know, the kid that played Anakin, um, Andrew, uh, Jake, Jake Lloyd. Yeah. I almost said Andrew Jake Lloyd. That's not his name. Um, Jake Lloyd, you know, I mean, if I saw him today, I, I'd be like, dude, that, that's amazing. I'm glad you were picked, you know, personally, I think the other kid in the audition reel was probably a stronger actor, but they chose Jake Lloyd and he did the best he could. And maybe his acting was a little wooden, but he was a kid and I'm willing to give him some leeway on that because it was a big movie. There was a lot of pressure and he was literally playing baby Darth Vader and it's just a movie, you know? So Getting back to the whole thing with Jason David Frank, the first thing that went through my mind was like, man, we went to go see his panel. I stood a few feet from him. He seemed really cool. I would have loved to have met him, talked some martial arts with him, talked whatever, just whatever. And then when you see people online and you see their videos and you see what they're talking about and what their plans are for the future and these sort of things, and then all of a sudden that's gone and dead. No pun intended. God, that is a fucking terrible pun. I apologize for that right now. 
but when their dreams are now quieted, you don't really know how to process it. At least I don't. So with that, that gave me some fire inside to want to reach out to people and go, you know, I'm not going to inundate you with a written interview. I want to hear your voice. And I did think for a while, hey, let's do a video production version of it where we're talking and that sort of thing. Maybe next year for that. That's a lot more investment in that. And maybe maybe that happens this year. I'm not really sure. I think most people are uncomfortable with that um, to some degree. There's a little bit more pressure. But I want to believe that, you know, if I can get out there and do some good audio stuff and connect that to a really good write-up and make a different kind of interview that still follows the creative interviews format that I have, there could be some really interesting stuff in there. And it's still going to be very much in like the NPR style kind of stuff that I do like this and, you know, monologue sort of things. But I want it to be about them. And I really, when I say that, it's because I'll often hear a lot of podcasts and interviews on YouTube and stuff like that, where I really want to hear more about the story, like unedited. I don't care. Let that person talk. Let that person imbibe you with thoughts and things and let the the listeners really dig into that. So that's my goal. Thanks for listening to me, guys. If you made it this far, you fucking rock and you're rad. Thank you. I'm at one hour and like 13 minutes right now. So I'm going to go ahead and sign off on this. Thank you so much for listening. I am Mario the Artisan Rogue, and this is Radio 74. You can find me on all sorts of avenues. As of right now, and I haven't checked, I am sitting at 2,021 followers. I'm really hoping I can get at least one more follower before 2022 ends tomorrow on TikTok. So I'm on the fence because I, I, I'm out of things to make content for right now. But we'll see. I, I'll figure it out. I'll figure out something. I don't know. I'd, I, it would be a nice thing if it happens. Either way, thank you all that listen to this podcast. I really appreciate it. And I had gotten some really great feedback over time. And I really do want to bring different people on. They aren't, not everyone's going to be an artist. That was something that I really wanted to talk about was I wanted to be able to bring people on that had other avenues and thoughts and processes into what they did that is create, that is connected back into the world of creativity. But it will be interesting to see what comes up from that. And so be looking in the next few weeks for something. My goal was to get something done in January, but because of the time effort that is happening with my comic and with some other stuff and, you know, freelance work and stuff like that, I may have to rebalance it. So January may be sort of a launching pad for a couple of different things. And then bear with me while I iron out all the bullshit. (laughs) So, and uh, aside from that, you can find me on Instagram. I still have a Facebook page for the artisan rogue. And you can also, I am on a social network now called stimulus, which is started up by, a sticker mule of all people and it's been interesting it's like a really nice when i say nice i mean like everyone's polite version of twitter and uh that's been interesting i and with twitter i'm kind of hoping it doesn't go away it's it is what it is right it's one of those weird kind of sometimes it's gonna be accessible sometimes it's gonna be really fun but i don't know i i'm as it is i'm trying to just not focus too much on social media but hell how the hell does one grow otherwise aside from going and doing every show on the planet and streaming out that you do these things 
But uh, I will have more reviews from 2022 still coming up on there because ain't no way in hell I'm finishing nine or ten reviews between now and 2023. It's just not happening. But I will be back date posting about them and talking about them as I move into 2023. So I will hope that you guys will come back around and listen to more new podcasts in 2023. Again, thank you for all the support and for listening I really mean it. And especially when you can, when some of you have come up at shows and talked to me about this or my blog posts or stuff, that fucking means the world to me more than you can possibly understand. And that man, it's just fucking killer. It's fucking killer. Also, I need to throw this out there real quick. Um, my buddy Matt does a great podcast called wormhole manifest. And I think I'm getting that fucking wrong cause I'm tired, but I will include a link in the description below here on Podbean. Check it out. It's not just because my dumbass was on there. <laughs> we, we have great conversations when they're on there, but I always feel like um, I, I never feel like I'm somebody worthwhile to be interviewed or anything else like that. But I'm glad that he and a few other people were like, no, no, your, your bullshit is my style. I, I, I love that. But he he's genuinely a really cool dude. Um, he is the reason why a lot of this happens. And the reason I'm saying that is, and I've talked about this before, he built my lovely little system over here, digital absinthe, and he's kept it running and, and things like that. I mean, to the point where knock on wood, I have never had any real bad catastrophic things go wrong. And when I did the few things that did go wrong, it was not because of his build. It was just component failure or something like that. It's just quality of build on other things, nothing he did, but it's been running and it works well. I can multitask like a motherfucker and it has made my job 10 times easier. And he's definitely going to be somebody that I'm going to interview this next year. He just doesn't know it yet. Cause I haven't reached out to him about it. So with that, I'm going to shut the fuck up now. <laughs> Have a good and safe new year's guys. I hope everybody will be that is listening and more will be here next year. So just be safe and be careful. And I am so fucking glad I am no longer a security guard. I, that, that is a weird place in life to be, to be like, man, I don't know. That, that's just so cool. I, I don't have to worry about going to work tonight at like nine o'clock and watching people turn into complete ass bags over the course of the night and be excited at the end of the night. I'm like, hey, how'd your night go? I didn't get punched in the mouth and nobody threw a chair at me. I mean, dude, the bar is so low in that regard. I, you know what? I'm, that, that's a whole nother box of rocks I'm not going to get into. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll catch you in the next podcast.